0: I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, August 20th, 2019. Coming up, we speak with the founder of Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch about a very sustainable form of animal protein. We also speak with the culinary director of a Denver gourmet restaurant that serves this low-footprint food. That food is bugs. We'll also speak with some Denver area residents who will try edible bugs for the first time
1: the <laughs> buds the
0: water buds
2: <laughs> glow, little glow worm, glimmer glimmer shine little
0: It may seem gross to think about eating bugs, but edible insects, such as grasshoppers, crickets, and caterpillars, are a great source of high-quality protein and essential minerals such as calcium and iron. Edible grubs offer a bonus of high-quality fat, which is crucial for brain development. Over two billion people worldwide regularly eat bugs. But in America, bug phobias mean that people who munch on fire ants or mealworms are extremely rare. That's starting to change. With some parts of the transformation so small, they are microsized.
2: Glow, glow.
0: A rusty metal latch creaks as Wendy Lou McGill opens a railcar shipping container located in Southwest Denver. Wearing a city skirt and boots, she steps from a cold and sunny Denver morning into a boxcar-sized room. In here, worrying machines keep the temperature around 80 degrees Fahrenheit and 80% for humidity. McGill says this tropical atmosphere is perfect for growing
1: 600 pounds of high-protein livestock every month right inside this little space. I mean, if you're going to say 10 pounds a person per month, that's 60 people. Her livestock reside in shallow white drawers lining
0: every wall, with each row stacked a dozen drawers high. As for what high-protein animal fits inside a drawer, McGill reaches out her hand and starts brushing her fingers through something inside the drawer. It's thousands of shiny golden mealworms. They, um, they're very soft. Wendy Lou McGill has bright red fingernails, and it's kind of a marvelous thing to see those bright red fingernails and the shiny golden mealworms wriggling and weaving around them. As for why there are so many mealworms here, it's not to feed a pet robin, or someone's pet snake or frog. These mealworms are here to feed us. Here's Wendy Lou McGill, founder of Rocky Mountain
3: Micro Ranch. Rocky
1: Mountain Micro Ranch is Colorado's first and only edible insect farm. And we raise crickets and mealworms to sell to restaurants and food manufacturers.
0: Wendy Lou McGill
1: started growing edible insects
0: just a few years ago in response to warnings from the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization that it's damaging the environment to try raising enough beef and even chicken to feed the world's appetite for animal protein. McGill says part of the solution to this problem is probably to eat less beef and chicken and crunch on more meals that feature bugs.
1: The protein on crickets is actually pretty similar to chicken in terms of the quantity, if you're doing like grams to grams. Where it gets exciting is in the micronutrients like iron and calcium. Calcium is as much by weight as milk in crickets and then the iron is as much as spinach and kale, again, by weight, so there's just a lot of nutritional benefits, and there was also just this research recently that eating crickets may help improve your gut biome, so the prebiotic effect. The mealworms definitely are a good source of fat, and like most animals that we eat, what they eat really determines their fatty acid profile. There's more bang to the bug when it comes to converting plants into
0: essential nutrients What's more, it's easier to feed bugs than it is to feed beef cattle
1: or chickens or farm-raised fish. I want to be part of the many different groups of people who are trying to figure out how to feed ourselves better as we have less land and water and a hotter planet and more people to feed. We're going to need to raise 56% more calories than we currently are with less land. I believe that insects are one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways that we can do that. Miguel says persuading people in
0: the U.S. to eat bugs is not easy at all. Take this grandfather, Terry Colling. I'm Terry. Nice, nice to, to meet, meet you. you. I'm the grandpa. Hi, Grandpa. <laughs> Hi, guys. Coling is visiting the micro ranch with his two grandchildren, Andrew, who is almost five, and Zora, who will soon be three. I'm Andrew,
1: and this is my friend Zora.
0: Andrew and Zora stand on tiptoe to look into the trays of wiggling golden mealyworms currently growing in Denver's micro ranch. And since Andrew and Zora are talking rather quietly to each other, let's do a repeat of what they are saying. Looking into one tray that contains lots of plant food plus mealyworm eggs, Zora is skeptical and says, I don't see no bugs in there. I don't see no bugs in there. Andrew is saying, you know, I still don't want to eat those. Well, no. Well. I still want to eat those. those. Hey. Zora is asking, "What's that? Hey. What's that?
1: What's hey. that?"
0: Andrew is replying, bug. they're, "They're bugs, Zora. They're bugs." The bugs, water <laughs> bugs. You may notice that 5-year-old Andrew is sounding a little lazily. That's because Andrew is only his nose in response to the rather earthy smell inside the shipping container that serves as Wendy Lumigil's micro ranch. This earthy smell is not nearly as strong as the odor of cattle in a feedlot or even just in a barn. It's not as strong as the smell of chickens in a chicken house. It's not even as smelly as blue cheese. But it is still earthy. More like the aroma of a soft camembert cheese with a little earthworm mixed in. And so, Andrew is holding his nose as he tells Zorro... The oh. bugs buds. waterbugs. As the children stare at their wiggly bugs in the bins, their overall attitude is curious but worried. Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch founder, Wendy Lou McGill, is used to this and works to reassure them, so you'll hear her talking with them in the background. Wendy Lou McGill does a lot of outreach and education about edible bugs because the vast majority of people in the U.S. have never, ever eaten a bug on purpose. Terry Colling says that's true for his grandchildren, and it's also true for him.
3: I don't think they are very appealing as far as uh, something you put in your mouth. And You see them around dead things, and uh, it just doesn't appeal to me to eat something that seems to be so wild.
0: Another visitor arrives at the Denver shipping container... That houses the Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch.
3: Hi, I'm Amy. I'm
2: Terry.
0: <laughs> nice, nice to, to meet, meet you.
3: you. Hi guys.
0: Amy Franklin notices that five year old Andrew is still holding shut his nose.
3: Are they a little stinky? Just a little,
0: huh? She's driven to Denver from around Loveland to tell Terry Colling and his grandchildren, Zora and Andrew, why she's a big fan
3: of edible bugs. I'm Amy Franklin, and I'm founder of a nonprofit called Farms for Orphans. And what we do is farm bugs for food, because in other countries where we work, they're really, really popular food. Most of the orphanages don't own any land. There really is no opportunity for them to grow a garden or to raise chickens. Insects are a protein source that they can grow in a very small space.
0: Amy Franklin says she did not expect to become an expert on growing bugs, but the need to find affordable and high-quality proteins and fats for the orphanage children changed her mind.
3: My background is in veterinary medicine that I was originally planning on training orphanages how to farm more traditional sources of protein like poultry or goats. And that's when I learned about insect farming and, and all of the benefits, including you know, less space, less water, less feed than other livestock. And it just made more sense where we're working because they're already a. A culturally appropriate food source where we work.
0: Franklin explains that she works in the Democratic Republic of Congo. She's visited African markets where vendors sell huge platters of wild-caught crickets and big bowls of grubs that pulsate like caterpillars. Big caterpillars. Each grub can be the size of a grown-up's thumb. These insects arrive only in special seasons, they are flourishing naturally on their own without any help from farmers by eating the natural vegetation around them. When these natural bumper crops of bugs arrive, Franklin says there's often a feast. This is festival music Franklin has recorded at a bug feast, with children in the orphanage laughing and dancing. Franklin says the orphans generally live in the cities, where concrete buildings box them in on every side. The typical city orphanage struggles to serve a well-balanced meal. Starchy cassava, which is kind of like a potato, is commonplace. In addition to insects allowing a very small farm to produce high-quality protein, there are grubs, meaning insect larvae, which are an impressive source of fats that are crucial for brain development. Insect larvae are a big focus of the foods for the nonprofit Farms for Orphans. The nonprofit grows these foods using shipping containers that are very similar to Wendy Lou McGill's Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch. Franklin says children in orphanages love to eat bugs. Here at Denver's Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch, five-year-old Andrew and almost three-year-old Zora listen politely with wide and solemn eyes. Do you think you'd like to eat bugs? The two young Coloradans shake their heads. Franklin smiles at them. No, we're not used
3: to it here in the U.S., are we?
0: Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch founder Wendy Lou McGill brings out a bowl of mealworms that have been baked with a ranch style seasoning that makes them salty and crispy. Terry Colling takes a tiny handful. And while he doesn't ask for seconds, he does give his grandchildren a very encouraging, happy face. Five-year-old Andrew watches his grandfather very closely, and finally, Andrew I speaks up.
1: take <laughs> one. Yeah, one. Totally. And then if you like it, you can have more. But how about just one? We you put your hand out flat, and I'll put it. Thank you, darling.
0: Wendy Lou McGill gives him a mealworm.
1: It's really crispy and salty. Tastes kind of
3: crunchy and
0: kind of yummy. Bugs also taste yummy at Linger, a Denver restaurant that invites Coling and his grandchildren, and Franklin, to come on over and watch as Chef Sean Bruno prepares a mushroom sauce and sizzling skillets. Yeah,
1: this is a great dish.
0: It's a sauce that also contains crickets black ants and sesame seeds with
2: crickets mixed in with the green tea soba noodles, and then we garnish with chapeline crickets.
0: The green tea soba noodle dish with chapolina crickets is beautiful and stylish, and soon everyone is eating it. Linger's culinary director is Jeremy nice Kittleson. I'm, I'm
2: Jeremy. Pleasure to meet you.
0: Hi. Kittleson says Denver's Linger restaurant has had menu items that intentionally contain bugs, probably longer than any other restaurant in the entire United States.
2: Yeah, I mean, to our knowledge, again, you know, I don't want to uh, go on record to disparage any other restaurant, but to our knowledge, we are the longest-standing restaurant to serve insects for a consistent basis. I mean, some restaurants pop them up every once in a while, do uh, from here to there, but we've been serving them consistently on our menu, never coming off. Kittleson says linger has been
0: serving insects for three years now. So while insects have been a standard part of the diet in countries around the world, since the beginning of mankind, the trend to offer insects to American diners is rather new.
2: Yeah, so I mean, we've been doing it for three years. Kittleson says
0: that while eating bug proteins is new for Americans, if you're talking about environmental sustainability, eating bugs is the right thing to do.
2: You know, push sustainability past just doing, you know, sustainable vegetables and things. Like what's the next frontier with regards to proteins? I mean, anybody who knows anything about land usage, water usage, anything like, for example, with cattle, I mean, it's just astronomical. When you talk about grams of protein, what insects give you versus say like what uh, beef gives you, they're almost on par. And then obviously the footprint's much less. The insect dishes, they are popular in our restaurants. I mean, are they our number one selling dish? Absolutely not, but people really do embrace them. You know, how we started this, was we really went with education. We educated our staff. And, and everybody since day one has taken this uh, very seriously. You know, it's not just a fear factor thing, even though we do have some of those people who are like, oh, you just got to try this because of, of that. But our staff, they're extremely knowledgeable. They are behind it. They, they really believe in uh, the message and, you know, what we're trying to do with lessen the footprint and doing sustainability.
0: Kittleson says that insect-containing dishes are not exactly the most common menu item that customers at Linger order. But there's a respectable stream of people every day who do give them a try.
2: You know, we sell, you know, on an average night, probably 15 to 20, you know, if we do 300 people. So, you know, it's still a pretty good percentage for considering what it is.
0: Linger Restaurant has done a lot to educate its staff about how to explain the insects in the dishes. Because in the United States, Kittleson says bug phobias are absolutely huge
2: what I what I've always said about the insects is you gotta remember nobody really has like a cow phobia when you get into insects people have like arachnophobia they have all these you know like people are terrified of insects so maybe you've traveled all over the world and know that we're the only country that doesn't really eat insects on a regular basis you have somebody who's in here you know for just a basic kind of experience and they find a, a a cricket in their dish they might think that you have roaches or something like that that there's an insect infestation. So, I mean, it's, it's something that we've had to manage, again, through education, through training, um, and just educating our guests, our staffs, and then our, our culinary team as well. In the three years that Linger has been
0: offering bugs on its menu, it does it one menu item at a time, meaning most menu items have absolutely no bugs in them. But every day for the last three years, there has been one menu item that is mostly a popular dish that has some chopped crickets in the filling or some fire ants
2: in the garnish and so on. We've probably done about five different inclinations of insect dishes. So the first time that we ever did it, we did it at a taco. And we said, you know, how can we show crickets, but yet still kind of make them approachable to it? As if you were just eating something that was delicious. And that's one thing that I... Uh, didn't mention that we've always approached this from a let's make this dish delicious, craveable, and and first and foremost, a great dish. Insects are, are the secondary part of it.
0: Because insects are a more common part of Mexican cuisine, Linger started their insect adventures by decorating a Mexican style entree with insects.
2: You know, we took a uh, Fresno chili and we made basically like a mini chili relleno, stuffed it with a cream cheese and we stuffed that, fr- tempura fried them and then put it in a taco with some crickets on, on the top. We chopped them up, mixed them in the filling and then we just put a couple on the top as like to let people know that they were there. It definitely is more successful when you integrate them into the dish. You know, like if we just came out and said, hey, we're gonna give you a dish of just crickets with uh, sea salt and chili on it and lime. You're not just gonna wanna pop a bunch of those, you know, unless, I I don't know, that's not very appealing to me. And I I think what I would uh, venture to say, I'm an adventurous eater. Something like this is a lot more approachable where you can go, hey, if if the insects were out of this dish, I would eat this anyway. And and so that's how we uh, have always approached it. And even, you know, places that I've had them, um, you know, I've eaten them in uh, Mexico City and things like that. And they're never just like, you know, a cricket. They're ground up into some sort of powder. They're mixed with chili or or something like that.
0: Linger has also educated its staff by working with other experts on edible bugs who have come to Denver to serve a bug banquet.
2: You know, we did a bug dinner with this chef. We tried all different kinds and we really loved the grasshoppers and the black ants. I mean, I don't know, the black ants have this just like really floral kind of anise flavor to them. Texture's really good. We've introduced them into some desserts as well. We put them into caramels, uh, which was really fun. So it kind of looked like they were caught in the amber type of uh, deal. And then we've also now done this kind of more Japanese-style dish. So, yeah, we've we've bridged that that gap.
0: It might seem adventurous to have crickets sprinkled into the soba noodles at this gourmet restaurant, but it turns out in Africa, grubs really are a regular fare. And to make her point, Amy Franklin, the founder of Farms for Orphans, gets out her iPhone and starts showing Linger's culinary director photographs of some of the bug based dishes she has eaten in Africa.
2: Yeah, I would love to see them. It
3: have a lot more bugs in them. Whole,
2: yeah, like big, like yeah. That I showed you, oh, yeah.
3: like yeah. whole crickets, whole uh, grubs. Yeah. Um, mixed with vegetables over rice, barbecue Oh fun. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Palm uh. weevil grubs and crickets.
2: Oh wow. Mingo. Ooh. yeah, yeah. That is intense. <laughs> that is intense. It's good. Yeah. What was the flavor like? I mean, what could um, you relate that to?
3: that the grubs taste like sausage like little breakfast sausages really and the crickets i don't know they're just they're a lot meatier than the crickets we have here oh yeah
0: she shows the linger culinary director an image of a young girl in an orphanage eating a grub you know basically a giant caterpillar and this grub is about the size of a large fingerling potato And from the expression on the girl's face, it must be very delicious. Then there's the huge family-style platter that's filled with nothing but spinach-style greens and
3: huge grubs. Uh, Termites.
2: That's something I've never...
3: And caterpillars.
2: Oh, wow. And you've tried all of those? Uh Uh-huh. That is, wow. Yeah. That's great. I'm a rather adventurous eater. Yeah, yeah I, I would say I, I would say you've uh, done that, yeah. So, um, but cool.
0: It's obvious that a few bugs sprinkled into a gourmet dish at Linger is not a particularly bold bug-eating experience compared with how people in Africa eat bugs all the time. If you're wondering whether it's only countries such as Mexico and continents such as Africa consider the cold northern regions of Scandinavia, where laplanders herd reindeer, and as a special culinary treat, they sometimes take reindeer meat and use it to grow a huge crop of fly larvae. That means they intentionally grow maggots, high-fat maggots, and the laplanders enjoy eating them. Because Americans have such a phobia about bugs and do not eat them on a regular basis, Jeremy Kittleson says there's a lot more education of the American palate that needs to happen before most people would eat bugs for grubs but back at the table with the soba noodles and the crickets for americans this is a bold beginning and it's a little too bold for five-year-old andrew and almost three-year-old zora both kids decide to skip anything except the soba noodles in the soba noodle dish but then there's the grandfather terry Colling. do you remember him from just a few hours ago at the Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch, I
3: don't think they are very appealing as far as uh, something you put in your mouth. And you see them around dead things, and uh, it just doesn't appeal to me to eat something that seems to be so wild.
0: Now that he's eating a gourmet version of green soba noodles garnished with crickets, Terry Colling says the whole combination is delicious, including the crickets. Kind
3: of like a hard raisin. The seasoning great. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised.
0: Colin grabs another bite and then another. Farms for Orphans' Amy Franklin is obviously already on board. And as she eats the green soba noodles, she raises a fork with a cricket on it, and she gives a toast. Cricket? Bug Appetite. Lingers culinary director Jeremy Kittleson says that bug Appetite as a toast would benefit the entire world.
2: For sure, I mean, we'd love to see people, more people growing them, we'd love to see more people serving them. As much as we love beef, as much as we love our farmers and stuff, there's no scientist, there's no environmentalist that's gonna tell you cattle farming is a sustainable practice. I am get like what it takes to actually produce one watermelon. You know, I mean, the the amount of water, for example, and then you talk about land and all these things. We do need to be eating less meat as a country, as a as a society, and at, globally, we all need to start eating less meat. So, insects. We should eat more insects.
0: As a former skeptic, Terry Colling says he might.
2: This
3: cricket dish at Lingers was very good. It seemed to me that uh, there weren't enough crickets in there.
0: Shine, little glow-worm, glimmer, glimmer. Thanks to our local experts on edible insects for sharing what they're doing to make bug eating more palatable. We've been talking with Wendy Lou McGill of Rocky Mountain Micro Ranch, Amy Franklin of Farms for Orphans, and the staff at Denver's Linger Restaurant about edible bugs. And we'll leave you with this reminder. Over 2 billion people worldwide eat grubs for grubs, slowly, even in the U.S., even here in Colorado, the number of people who eat edible insects is growing. For How on Earth, I'm Shelly Schlender.
2: Blow,
0: And that's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Beth Bennett. This week's show was produced and engineered by me. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from various versions of the song, Glowworm. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Shelley Schlender.